Good morning, all. Um, my name is uh, Gregory Canero, as Christine said. Um, if I haven't met all of you, it's, it's nice to do so. Um, I hope to meet you, actually, at some point. Uh, this is a bit of a one-way exchange, I guess. Um, I've been attending St. Peter's since 2019, when a group came from All Angels. And uh, something that I'm really excited about this morning is just the opportunity to be here and to get to preach. Um, I've gotten to preach at St. Peter's before, but never before a live, in-person audience. I thought it might not happen today, but you guys made it, so thank you. You've made me a very happy man. Um, and something else that, that has made me a very happy man is just the opportunity to get to talk about the Bible. Um, and, and sincerely, I really do just love the Bible. I love getting to talk about it. I literally do this for a living. This is my job. I work with uh, middle and high school students, and we read the Bible together on a regular basis. And something that I love about scripture is that in it, God makes himself known to us through his acts of faithfulness and history to his chosen people. Um, and I love that through the finished work of Jesus Christ, broken and messy people like us are chosen by God in his great love and offered a life-changing relationship with himself. I love that this big story of the Bible involves an invitation for us to enter into it. But at its core, it is God's story. And that's why I love today's gospel reading. Um, because we see the story of Mary who has been brought into God's plan to save the world by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And we see her beautiful response, which we all just read together, celebrating and magnifying the Lord God. Um, and in Mary's Magnificat, the root word magnify, I think is so beautiful. Uh, it also brings a lot of fun, silly, uh, and yeah, honestly, just really outright goofy memories from my childhood. Um, so something about me, you know that I've dressed up like Gandalf the Wizard uh, in St. Peter's contexts before. Um, in general, I had a pretty active imagination. I like playing characters. It's a thing whatever, but the idea of magnifying, something that comes to mind that this word reminds me of is when I was a boy, my dad had this epic magnifying glass sitting on his desk. And so I picked up this magnifying glass and I got an idea. I was like, I also loved Sherlock Holmes. And I was like, I will dress up like Sherlock Holmes. So I threw on an oversized bathrobe. Instead of a deer stalker cap, I got two baseball caps, one facing forward and the other facing backwards. And I went out into the yard to find clues about what, I have no idea. Um, and you know, I was a real, again, just a goofball. Uh, and so uh, I'm speaking to myself in an English accent. I'm saying, yes, elementary, yes, yes. <clears throat> and I'm looking at things and making just the most obvious deductions ever. So I'm seeing a tree that I had climbed maybe two days before and I'm saying, yes, I deduce that a boy, maybe aged about eight years old, has been climbing this tree. Um, you know, I like look into the ground. I deduce that the dog has been eating grass again. You know, stuff like that. Um, I was a real whiz. But in all seriousness, my experience of exploring my parents' yard with this magnifying glass um, helped me to know that space better, to recognize that the yard was not just an empty or dead space, but that it was a place that was actually teeming with life that was rich in beautiful detail. And by carrying around this magnifying glass, I realized that a magnifier fundamentally does three things. 
This is a sermon, so there's three things, right? Um, it clarifies, it amplifies, it makes bigger, in other words, and it intensifies. And when I use that word intensifies with reference to a magnifying glass, don't worry, no ants were harmed in the writing of this sermon. All right, so clarifies, amplifies, and intensifies. And so mindful of the biblical story as an act of God's revealing himself in history, uh, I want to explore today what it means for Mary to say that she magnifies the Lord, that her soul magnifies the Lord, that her soul clarifies who God is, amplifies his presence and his kingdom, and intensifies his love in her life. And so what does it mean that Mary, that her soul clarifies the Lord? Well, if we look, if, if you have still the Magnificat in front of you or our gospel reading in front of you, feel free to look, look it over and be referencing it as I'm speaking. Um, because the first thing that Mary does is she testifies. She speaks from her own experience and she recalls and remembers what God has done in her life. Uh, we don't have verse numbers, but if you see um, it would be verse 48 and 49, where she says that God has looked with favor on her and that the Mighty One has done great things for her. Mary begins this song of praise by clarifying that God is not far off, he's not some cold, distant ruler, but that he is affectionate and caring, like a loving father. Mary clarifies for us the nature of God, that he who created the universe in power is also tender-hearted towards her, that he's interested in what, uh, in what happens in her life, that he's aware of her so-called lowly status, and that he's kind. Mary clarifies that God, who is infinite in his power, is fundamentally personal and relational. And she goes on, she says that God exposes the foolishness of the proud and the powerful who believe that their status and influence can contend with his own. Instead, God enjoys the humble because they are able to receive his blessings and his presence. They're not self-satisfied as if such a thing could actually ever exist, but they need to be satisfied by God and God in turn wants to bless them. That is who he is. And in that same vein, Mary clarifies God's intimate knowledge of and love for his chosen people as a collective. She starts talking about God's chosen people, the nation of Israel in the story of the Old Testament. So she begins with a personal testimony and she concludes with a celebration of God's faithfulness to the Israelites and to all who would be descendants of Abraham. But this transition from the personal to the communal, it's totally seamless. God's personal care and faithfulness are for anyone who is lowly, who is hungry, who has a reverent fear and awe or a sense of wonder at who God is. And the questions that come to mind are, is God, or is this passage, is Mary describing herself or is she describing the people of Israel? And the answer to these questions is yes, she's describing both. And I think in that it's worth us considering, is that describing us? Is that describing us? Are we as the lowly, the ones who want to be loved and blessed by God?
And so the point that Mary clarifies for us in her song of praise is that it's really simple, that God loves. So she clarifies, and having clarified that, I want to move on. What does it mean for Mary to magnify the Lord by amplifying him, by making him bigger, making his kingdom bigger? And I will argue, I'll argue pretty strongly, actually, that from the very beginning of the Bible, it has always been God's heart that he wants to love more people. If you think about it for a second, in the beginning, there were two people. There were Adam and Eve, and they were given a command to be fruitful and multiply. And before we know it, then there's Noah and his family, and then there's Abraham and his family, and then God promises to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. In other words, God has a lot of love to give, and he wants to give it to a lot of people. And as we see in the examples of Mary and of the people of Israel, it is God's love when given to the lowly that makes them a holy people set apart and blessed to be a blessing to others. That holy people is established in one body in the life, death, and resurrection of Mary's son, Jesus. He accomplished it, but Mary got to witness and bear witness to God's mission to save the world. And in doing so, she participated in this work of amplifying or making bigger God's kingdom. <clears throat> and this brings me to my last point, right? If we think about um, a magnifier that uh, clarifies, amplifies, and intensifies. As a magnifier intensifies light to start a fire, Mary's faithful response to God intensifies his goodness and beauty specifically in the challenges of her life. And I always think here, it's kind of a shame that, and you know, no judgment to us St. Peter's community, but I think in general, I've heard really undramatic, kind of sleepy readings of Mary's story. Um, and I think that's, that's a real shame, because even if we put aside all of the miraculous details, the supernatural of an angel coming and speaking to her of her, giving birth while being a virgin, um, there is still the unbelievable detail in this story that is so dramatic, I think, of Mary's response. Because in first century Palestine, an unexpected pregnancy to someone other than her betrothed implied adultery. And at the very least, this put Mary's reputation and livelihood at risk. At worst, it could have been a risk to her very life itself. And so in other words, the angel's announcement to Mary that she would give birth could easily have been received not as a cause for joy, but as a death sentence, as a curse directly from God himself. But it wasn't. And that to me is one of the most striking details of this passage is that Mary doesn't respond with bitterness, but she responds with rejoicing. As we've seen, Mary knew God as he'd revealed himself, both in the story of the Bible and as he had met her in her own life. And she knew that no matter how it may appear, God did not want to curse her. He did not want to curse her, but he wanted to bless her so that she might be a blessing. And in turn, her spirit rejoices in God 
her Savior. She actually rejoices at the dangerous position of being unwed and pregnant. Why? And I venture the answer that it's because she can recognize that God is actually going to save the world, that his salvation plan for all people is beautiful and is good news for many. And Mary is not the kind of person who's too caught up in herself to be able to celebrate that. We get to see Jesus's kingdom of grace and mercy expanded in light of Mary's joy and not in spite of her resentment. And I want to say that again. We get to see Jesus's kingdom of grace and mercy expanded in light of Mary's joy and not in spite of her resentment. And so St. Peter's, to close, I just want to remind us that God wants to be magnified in our lives and in the life of our church. Jesus wants to be made clearer to us and to the world around us. He wants to be amplified to those who do not yet know him, and he wants to be intensely manifested in our own lives. And so I've got a couple questions for us to consider and encouragements as we close out. And the first is, where can we clarify that God is relentless in his faithfulness, that he is deeply personal in his desire for a relationship with us? My encouragement is that this Christmas season, that we can remain grounded in the fact that we are living in God's story of salvation, accomplished through the birth of Jesus Christ. So let us pray, let us read the Bible, let us do whatever it takes to always remember God's love and great faithfulness in our lives. Now, my next question is, where can we amplify or proclaim the kingdom of God? If we are living in Jesus's love and it's truly good for us, I don't think we should keep that hidden or to ourselves. And lastly, I wanna ask, where can God's love be intensified in our lives? I'm so struck by Mary who received God's disruptive act in her life, not as a curse, but as a blessing. So where in our lives might we feel cursed? And how might God be working in those spaces to try and bless us? And the last thing I'm gonna say is just in light of all that's going on of the spiking cases uh, with the, the uh, Omicron variant and whatever, I both can and totally cannot believe that we're here again. And I don't know, I assume I'm not the only person who feels that way. Because I had felt the beginnings of normalcy beginning to creep back into daily life. And as cases started to spike, I felt old feelings. I felt fear, I felt languishing and fatigue and frustration take hold of me and felt like a pit within me. And this isn't maybe the most ho hopeful place to end because I don't know where or how God will work in this challenging season. But where hope comes in is in praying that we will have faith like Mary to know that God will be at work in this challenging season. Amen.